it's also really damn tricky, dude. Like, I lost my ass on hiring a salesperson, like, right in the COVID times. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, he came in, guns blazing, I'm badass, I know what the hell I'm doing, and, you know, 35 grand and base salary later, he didn't bring in a single deal. Oh, wow. So, like... (laughs) You just, there's risk in everything, mm-hmm. you know? And so just because you get a loan and you can pay somebody doesn't mean they're going to bring in money. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Business Blind Spots podcast, where we talk to founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and business leaders about their journey to build their business, build their brand. And we like to learn about problems they face, challenges they've overcome and how they do business based on that moving forward. Today's guest is Chris Botfison. He's a founder of Fuel and Spark Media. How are you doing? Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I know you have an interesting story, and I hope that we get to learn some really cool stuff from you. Yeah, it's a journey. It's been a journey for sure, yeah. It's good to have a fellow salt and pepper man on the on the show too. Yeah, it started coming in a while back, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just start by telling us how you grew up, where you grew up, where'd you go to school, and um, how you became a founder? All right. Yeah. So I grew up here uh, in the suburbs of Fort Worth, Texas. So lived in Hurston, Keller, and went to Keller High School. Uh, went to college at Texas State University and got a degree in communication design. And that's where... I guess I kind of got my entrance into the creative field. So Mm -hmm. communication design is basically a degree in graphic arts and advertising. And so uh, graduated from there, uh, bounced around the entry level positions and got some jobs here and there and um, was freelancing at some different agencies and things like that. Um, and I freelanced at a small design firm where I was able to actually like learn a lot more about the business as a whole versus just the, um, the creative part of it. Mm -hmm. And my dad has been an entrepreneur my whole life. And so I guess I just, for some reason felt like I could do it on my own. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I, um, you know, once I left that position and I was freelancing with some of the bigger agencies, I learned a lot there as well, but, uh, I just, you know, started slowly building up my client list. Then I got a part-time job and at the same time was building up my clients. And finally I got to a point to where I was able to pull the plug and like do my own thing full time and jumped in head first was, naive and broke and didn't know what the hell I was doing. Wait, you were broke as a young entrepreneur? Oh, Shocker. yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> recurring theme here. Yeah, recurring theme, right? And and so, yeah, it just kind of like started uh, hustling and knocking out work and building a name for myself. Um, got a little office over off West 7th Street in Fort Worth and started building up a good network there. And started getting some clients that were paying the bills and paying rent and doing those things. And um, then I brought on a business partner, and I think in 2013 or something like that. And that partnership lasted about five years, and it actually was extremely valuable, um, you know, to help get us like really established in Fort Worth in our own backyard here. Um, we, uh, my business partner, Chuck and I parted ways, but we're still, it was amicable and we're buddies and we'll still have a, an old fashioned or a couple beers here and there. And so I would say that, you know, things were going pretty well, but we were getting to a point to where we were just, while the top line revenue was growing, mm-hmm. like our profit margins weren't really growing mm-hmm. and we were grinding our asses off, mm-hmm. you know, and we we're making a paycheck, but 
it wasn't like we were bringing we weren't getting we weren't doing what we no, wanted. no private jet money no private jet money still no private jet money uh, maybe one day but yeah it's just kind of we started growing and we started saying and we were saying yes to everyone and uh started just kind of expanding our services to a point to where it was just became a lot to manage after chuck and i parted ways in 2018 uh, after a couple of years you know like managing the whole thing on my own i think that's one of the things too about a business partnership or like any relationship is like you don't really know like what the other person was was really like how valuable they were it's like Mm. you don't miss it so you don't have it yeah (laughs) you know yeah and so when i was responsible for operations and getting shit out the door and managing our team and sales and networking and all that it became a lot but then, uh, you know, after a couple of years of doing that, we decided that um, we were going to regroup and rebrand our company and really, like, scale down our service offerings. Like, we changed the name of the company and everything uh, because we were just tired of the grind, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't really that lucrative. And so that decision was made to form a company to focus on content creation, video production, animation, and social media marketing and advertising campaigns. Mm-hmm. We were doing some of that stuff, and that was the stuff that we enjoyed the most, that we're getting the best results for our clients. Mm-hmm. So we decided to make, we kind of like burn the ships, so to speak. You know? I love it. Yeah, we burned the ships and started over. And it just so happened that the timing of that was pretty shitty. Uh, because we did that and the decision was made to do that in late 2019 and we launched the new company in March of 2020. Oh, that sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we grinded and grinded and got through COVID and, you know, got luckily the PPP money and some of those things like mm-hmm. helped get us through. Um, we survived and now we're in a position to where we're ready to really take this thing to the next level. That's a lot to unpack. Sorry. I, I went a lot off. of questions. You asked me for my whole life story. So, <laughs> yeah. so I gave it to you. Social. Yeah. I have a ton of questions. Okay. So you're freelancing. So essentially 1099. So what was that thought process outside of like, hey, I I've, I've saw my dad be successful. I know I can be successful as an entrepreneur. Did you do a lot of planning? Was there a lot of preparation or was it just go for it once your book was big enough, your client it, book? I, I mean, I think, I think part of it was naivety and stupidity and mm-hmm. like, saying i can well, i didn't can, agree, i didn't guy, agree with you so because i think you're naive and stupid yeah, I mean, it's like, that's entrepreneur traits to yeah some right point. i mean it has to be well when you know i think i was oh gosh yeah like 26 or 27 at the time or something like you're that and yeah. i was like man if this guy can do it i can fucking do this you know like how hard mm. can it be mm. and then you know get into business and then I was like, oh, I got to meet with an accountant and I got to set up a S Corp. What is that? <laughs> and I'm paying rent on an office space. And then like I start getting like things from Texas Workforce Commission and like all these taxes and all these things. And I'm like, dude, I I realized like pretty quickly, like I did not know what I was getting myself into. Like, um, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of, volunteer for uh for an organization that helps like startups and entrepreneurs get started because Mm -hmm. i had no idea what i didn't know did you have a a mentor outside of your father not really you know i Mm -hmm. i just like i just thought i I knew what i was doing and i thought i could do it and so Mm -hmm. i it was just straight up hustle mode like i was not charging enough you know like classic all that um same stuff but you know over time i i have done some amazing programs that have helped me become a more well-rounded entrepreneur 
um, joined the EO Accelerator program and then recently did the Goldman Sachs 10K Small Business Program. And some of these things have like really, you know, like sharpened my knife, so to speak, as far as my skill set goes running a business. But in the beginning, man, it's, you don't know what you don't know mm -hmm. and it's tough. So would you say you made a misstep every single day uh, as as a, a young founder? No, I... That was, I, that was a joke. I'm yeah, just I wouldn't say I, I misstep every single day, but I would say that um, I wish that I had uh, reached out and gotten a mentor or been aware of some more of the resources that were out there. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, we, we were able to make it and I've been surviving on my own since yeah. 20, 2008, pretty much. And so I haven't had a, an actual job since then. <laughs> so, so, so you mentioned getting a business partner. So what was that process like for you? How did you decide on who to go into business with? I was getting burned out because I was doing everything myself. Mm. And I was basically like, if I want to build a business, I need help. Mm -hmm. Like I need somebody right there alongside me who's willing to hustle with me, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I kind of made that decision of like, I either need to find somebody and uh, get help or I need to just relegate myself to just being a freelancer, you know, mm -hmm. and like not worry about building an actual like company. Yeah. You know, because I was just burned out. And one of my clients at the time, actually, he was just, we hit it off. We established a great working relationship. Um, I helped him rebrand his company. He was a chief operations officer and head of marketing at the company he was working for. Helped them uh, rename their company, develop logos and branding and web and all that kind of stuff. And through that process, I, we got really tight and uh, he was kind of, getting tired of the industry that he was in. And mm -hmm. I said, look, man, I'd love for you to come on board as a 50, 50 partner. And like, let's just try to blow this thing up. And, um, he came on board and honestly, like for all of the difference, we differences that we had, that was probably one of the best moves I actually ever made was like bringing him on because, um, after, a, a month or two of like, us getting acclimated with each other then he just went out and started like hustling business and like bringing it in and i was uh able to then like make it all happen and execute mm -hmm. and it, it worked really well so you guys established your own roles within the business pretty quickly yeah pretty quickly i think it it took a little while and um chuck at the time he wasn't he didn't consider himself like a salesperson because he was like in this operations role. I'm like, dude, you are a natural born salesperson. <laughs> Get out there. He was, I was like, I don't even give a shit. Like if you step foot in the office, like at all, just like we mm -hmm. need work coming in. And he took that to heart, man. And he ran with it and it was awesome. Outside salespeople should never be in the office more than one day a week. Hey, yeah. That's my philosophy. Yeah. But, uh, Okay, so you mentioned you brought him on and then you started doing a bunch of uh, different product offerings. Mm -hmm. um, so can you elaborate on that? What were you doing when he came on and what were the new product offerings? You know, we were we didn't really increase our product offerings till a couple of years later. But at the time, we were doing a lot of graphic design work. Web design was a big part of what we were doing and it, it was a weird time in that kind of game because you know it was this whole responsive design thing and it, it was a difficult business to make money in when you were doing web design like to be profitable um but we got there and we started doing it and so yeah just a lot of graphic design a lot of branding work brand messaging website design and all that kind of stuff after a while that led more into more like full service marketing because mm -hmm. then once somebody has their brand and their website in place, then you got to promote it and market it. And so then we started getting into email marketing, social media marketing, Google ads and like all that kind of 
of stuff. So who was making the decision to, to start that new offering? Was it you or was it Chuck? It just happened. It, it just happened kind of almost organically. And it, it really started with existing clients saying, hey, can you do this for us? And us saying, sure, yeah, we can do that. Mm. And then going back and figuring out putting the pieces together to make it work. <laughs> so one of the tough things um, in my experience as a, as a business owner in the past is having to recognize when A, you're overextended or B, you're in a wrong market, right? Like, like the idea of the market is better than the actual market itself. So what was that process like for you um, and how those conversations uh, with Chuck go? It was good. So in the beginning, we were in a market that was really tough to make money at because web design, like while like the budgets are pretty good, the expenses are a lot too. Like when you're doing custom development, you got to like start from the idea, the copywriting and all the pages, the content, the design, and then you got to pay developer to like put it all together and code it and do all that so we were getting really good at it but we weren't making money and then honestly like by the time that we started like getting it pretty dialed in to where we were making pretty margins and all that is the time that we were just like or i personally it was like i'm, I'm burned i'm so burned out i don't ever want to like touch another website project again, I'm over it, you know? So it's like, it's kind of weird because once we kind of got it all figured out was whenever it was like, I don't, we don't want to. And this was like, kind of like after Chuck and I parted ways and it was like, I just don't, it's too time consuming. It's too tedious. It's too much project management. Mm. And that's the thing too, is like the more services you offer, the more processes there are, Mm -hmm. the more difficult it is for one person to manage all of these different things, unless you want to pay them you know, 150 grand a year or whatever, which we mm -hmm. weren't able to do. And so it was just, it just got to be too much. Mm. So what was that conversation like um, with Chuck? So Chuck and I, um, you know, it, our run lasted about, a solid five years, but there was, there were some issues that we had kind of some philosophical issues. And, um, I don't know, there were just some things that we didn't see completely eye to eye on and like business philosophy. Yeah. Business philosophy. And just, you know, I think some underlying things. And so we just kind of mutually decided, you know, it's about time. So, you know, I think it'd be really valuable for a young entrepreneur, young founder to hear how you approach those conversations. Because people today, in my experience, a lot of people are scared to have confrontational conversations about disagreements and, and differences in philosophy. Uh, I wish I could say it was uh, totally smooth, but. Oh, that's the whole gets, point of the podcast is that it, it wasn't. Smooth. It gets heated, you know, and but at the end of the day. When we decided, and we we had the conversations because we were like, look, we we can't just keep like tugging against each other, mm -hmm. you know. They were when we're in front of clients and we're doing pitches and we're doing all that stuff. We were working pretty well together, you know. But like then when we were coming back, it's like Man, I really think we should be doing this over here, and he's like, I don't really feel comfortable. I don't want to do that. And so some of those types of I, without getting into too many details, right? I um, out of respect to Chuck and everything, but, uh, of course. it just got to a point to where we had the conversation and most of the time it was, you know, over some beers. And then when we got to the point to where we decided like, Hey, like we're parting ways, I just feel lucky in the fact that we were able to just like hash everything out, mm -hmm. you know, like, Here's what this is going to look like. Here's what the buyout's going to look like. Here's what the percentage split's going to be. Here, we just, we went to, we got like a, an evaluation or evaluation on the company. And so we, by the time we went to 
the attorneys to like draw up all the buyout paperwork and all of that stuff. Um, we just told them what we wanted to do. You know, there saved you a lot of money. I bet saved a lot of money, but I, I just like, I, I feel blessed in that way because some of those things can get pretty ugly and we were able to work through it pretty well and Things come up to a mutual fast. Yeah. And we yeah. were able to work, no mutual agreement. I say when we parted ways, you know, there for a while, like we kept our distance from each other for a while, but I have a ton of respect from Chuck. And then, you know, like looking back, you know, there's a lot of times where I wish I still had him around, honestly. Mm -hmm. so. Interesting. Yeah. So, so if uh, someone is getting ready to have to address that sort of situation in their business, what advice based on, your experience, what advice would you have for them? Because it's just the facts are the facts, right? Those things are just going to turn hairy. That's just how they how they are, especially if it ends up that you guys had a five-year run and it's essentially both of your babies, right? Both of yours, baby. The things can get real personal real fast. Yeah, it can. And I think approaching it with respect and just putting it out there, you mm -hmm. know, like saying like, I'm feeling this way. I'm not liking the way things are going. Be open and honest, you know? Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, like if somebody is coming to you with that conversation, mm -hmm. I think it's important to like listen and understand what they're trying to say. It's really easy to get defensive and get pissed off and let emotion take hold and uh it's, I, feel, I feel attacked <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know like you got to respect it you know and so you, on the one side if you're the one bringing up the conversation you got to not be afraid to do it mm -hmm. because it needs to be said it needs to be out in the open you got to clear the air do it in a respectful way and not in a condescending or attacking way if you're on the receiving end of that, I would say just try to like, as you can well up with emotion, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes that can manifest in anger and mm -hmm. say, just do whatever you can to try to like, stay calm, let the person talk and really try to hear and understand what they're saying and why they're feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Because it might be one of those things where they want to part ways because this, this, and this, and this. And you're like, well, I didn't even know that was a problem. It's okay. I can like address that. I'm like, I'm not that set in my ways, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm willing to adjust. And if you never had, if you have that conversation, you might not part ways, you know, yeah. you might say, well, why don't we just work on that? Or like, you know what? I've fucking been feeling the same way for a while too. <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah. so just like, if you hold things in, it's, it's blocking your progress essentially. Mm -hmm. To, to double down on your advice, there's a book, uh, I forget the author. It's called crucial conversations. Um, read, I, I would advise anyone who's in business to read that book. They even, I know they do workshops. They do like a one or two day workshop where they kind of go over the principles of the book and act out conversations. Okay, so you survived a split with a business partner and now you're stuck uh, running the show yourself. You have all these product offerings, all these service offerings. For So for you, what was the process of, of deciding what you excel at, what your business excels at and then once you decided that what was the rebranding process like for you uh the the first thing that uh was the biggest struggle for me was getting good project management help mm -hmm. and i went through two or three people who like crushed it on their interview and they seemed like the perfect fit their culture index dots aligned perfectly for what we were looking for. Like all of that stuff, their per culture index is a personality test mm. for those people that don't know, but kind of like, what are, what it's are almost you? like a strengths finder kind of, what, are, what, what's your profile? I am an architect profile. Um, persuader. Really? Yeah. yeah perfect. 
Um, I think that's why my wife is a persuader. <laughs> it's uh, the best profile. I'm not biased at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm like definitely much more of like a get shit done execution type mm-hmm. person. Um, you know, I have a really high, uh, drive. Um, and, uh, I myself am a good project manager, but I, I just had trouble hiring for that position. So, so why do you think that is? We had a lot of services that we were offering and some pretty demanding clients and some pretty high profile clients. And when you're managing logo design, web designs, print ads, digital media, like all of these things like literally could like have their own manager, Mm -hmm. but I needed somebody who could oversee the whole thing Mm -hmm. and who had experience and who could operate those things at a high level. And it was, and be professional in client communications and on the ball and on top of shit. It's a huge ask. It's a huge ask. And I just was struggling with that. And that was one of the reasons too, is like the decision was made to um, really pare down our service offerings. I'm like, okay, if we offer video and content creation and we offer social media advertising services, that's two things. I'm like, I feel like we can manage two things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be a lot easier to find help. It would be a lot easier for everybody and and for us to just kind of narrow our focus, you know. So when you're looking at these, did you look at what, what were your profit centers versus what was a waste of time? How, how did you make that decision? Yeah, I mean, that was a big part of it. The more you – until you get to a certain level – you know, where you're managing really major, huge accounts, it's hard to maintain profitability whenever you're stretched so thin. Mm-hmm. Because it's what we do is human capital intensive. So, like, we've got to pay people to execute all of this stuff. We got to pay graphic designers. We got to pay web developers. We got to pay digital media buyers. We got to pay social media managers. We got to like all of these services, like we had to pay people to do. Mm-hmm. And the one person that can do all of that stuff really well is extremely rare and hard to find. And so, yeah, it's like one thing might be profitable one month. Like we might make good margins like on web designs, but then like this other part slows down a little bit. So it's like, it was just really hard for us to maintain that like, good, healthy profit margin when we were kind of spread so thin. I have some questions. Okay. All right. So a lot of entrepreneurs and founders that you talk to who go into business with a partner after they founded their business and are already somewhat successful, whenever, what I found is whenever they offer equity up, it's because they can't afford to pay a salary. Is that kind of the situation with Chuck? Yeah, for sure. Because you want somebody that's going to run right with you, mm-hmm. but also operate at a high level. And someone who is making $100,000, $120,000 a year, why are they going to leave that? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't pay that person $120,000 a year when I'm doing like $250,000 in revenue. Like, yeah. That doesn't make, you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, but to get from there up to the next level, they you need somebody to run with that's oper that can operate at that high level and offering equity and bringing in a partner is like really sometimes the only way to mm-hmm. do that. So yeah, I mean, I couldn't have ever afforded to pay Chuck and just like hire him straight yeah. out. Uh and so, you know, he wanted to be a part of building something and it worked out, you know? Yeah. Um, while in the end, like we parted ways, I would say overall it worked out. Okay. If you had to do it all over again, would you, would you finance, um, that position via loan or would you give up that equity and, and go on a ride again? Well, right now, um, where we are right now, 
I would probably finance it or figure out a way to bring on um, a business development person uh, with a fair, you know, commission-based compensation. Mm. But again, like anybody that's worth a shit, like <laughs> needs a pretty decent base salary, you know, mm. like, yeah. so like in our industry, really like if for somebody who's operating at a high level, who's going to bring in the type of accounts that's going to really like scale a company, you know, they need at least like a 50 grand base salary plus a nice like compensation package, like commission structure. And so, yeah, I mean, um, we've actually, uh, been in some talks with some people about doing just that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We just wanted to get some of our operational stuff dialed in and some of our process and procedures dialed in before, you know, we make that leap. But I imagine next year we'll probably really start seriously, like Mm -hmm. looking for that. I I thank you for being so, uh, so Frank with that answer. Cause I, I just, I, I always see it when you're talking to someone who, who founded and they're they're very quick to give up equity because they need that position filled in order to scale. But there's so many um, small business loan programs out there. It's very easy to go down that road to that route, too, especially if your numbers are right. It, it is. It's also really damn tricky, dude. Like I lost my ass on hiring a salesperson like right in the covid times. Mm hmm. Like, I mean, he came in guns blazing, I'm badass. I know what the hell I'm doing. And, you know, 35 grand and base salary later, he didn't bring in a single deal. Oh, wow. So like (laughs) you just, there's risk in everything, Mm -hmm. you know? And so just because you get a loan and you can pay somebody doesn't mean they're going to bring in money. Mm -hmm. You know, like with Chuck, like my risk, was low Mm -hmm. you know yes i was getting giving up equity but i knew the guy like i knew him well we worked like a year and a half together before we did that so like you know just trying to hire somebody off the street you know like Mm -hmm. and giving them money to go sell for you like i don't know man i i I think (sighs) it's a tricky situation you just got to be careful you see that a lot um, in insurance too, like people will negotiate these huge salaries and a year and a half, two, three years later, they haven't brought in anything and they're looking to jump to the next shop that'll hire them. And, you know, people will go 10, 12 years in a career that way. Um, just because they're, they're really good at selling themselves and that's about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Sorry to get distracted, but I wanted to touch on that point with Chuck and, and how you guys got into business together. All right. So we're, we're eliminating products and services mm-hmm. and we're, we're, how did you come up with fuel and spark media? What was the concept? How did you, what was your vision for that moving forward? I knew I didn't want to be full service anymore. Like mm-hmm. I just knew I didn't want to do that. In fact, I, my wife and I were, um, you know, kind of on a trip and, we were doing this vision board stuff and I I love vision boards. Yeah. It was pretty cool exercise, but I was like, I just don't, I either want to like get out totally Mm -hmm. or like if I'm going to stay in this, I, I don't want to do all these other shit and video production and content creation is something I've always liked to do. It's fun. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. And, uh, and at the end of the day, you got something cool to watch and you could show people on your phone. It's like, it's cool. I did this. Yeah. My company did yeah. this. Yeah. This is the kind of shit we do, you know? And then the social media advertising was getting really good results for our clients. And it was pretty profitable. Both of those were actually profitable parts of our business. And it just so happened that it was the most fun part and the part that like gave our clients the best results. So I started doing research and I'm like, can we actually have a company that only focuses on these things? Like, is that a viable option? And so I just started talking to people in the industry, talking to clients, existing clients, talking to anybody and everybody who like would know a little bit of something about this. And I actually ended up talking to someone who was 
running a business out of Nashville that just was doing exactly what we wanted to do. And I got hooked up with him and had a phone call with him. And he was like, look, man, like fucking crushing it here. (laughs) And this is what we do. Like, we don't do email marketing. We don't do this. We don't do that. We don't do this. We don't even touch that. And I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so awesome. And so Mm -hmm. that kind of gave me the confidence to pursue it and move forward with it. That's awesome. I know there's, um, in B school, they, uh, they gave an example of someone walking down a uh, frozen food aisle and they see, oh, there's, there's 40 versions of frozen pizza. So they'll go look at the frozen pizza market and they're like, Hey, the frozen pizza market is $5 billion a year. So if I can just create a frozen pizza brand and capture 0.001% of that, I'm going to make all this money. Or in reality, you do a little bit of research. You see the market saturated. So I, lo- I love that you actually did a bunch of research before deciding. That's that's a-, a lot of entrepreneurs and founders really need to do a lot of that. Yeah, we did. I did a bunch of research and I even paid for some like coaching and consulting and stuff like that because I wanted to make sure like making the right call, you know, and doing this right. And we had a bunch of shit lined up too. Like, um, Going into March of 2020, you know, we had shoots booked for uh, a client at Texas Motor Speedway for the NASCAR races. And we were going to go spend um, four days shooting content for a record label down at South by Southwest. And we had um, other stuff lined up for other clients. And so we like had everything lined up to ramp up and move mm-hmm. into this thing and be aggressive and next like, level. Yeah. And yeah. like really like launch, you know, mm-hmm. and then the pandemic happened and mm-hmm. that, you know, like it, it was just, uh, I mean, it was like slamming into a brick wall pretty Ugh. much, you yeah. know, like, and, and so I think the fight, uh, fighting through, you know, like those two years or so of COVID, Mm-hmm. Um, was really it was challenging but you know we we persisted and moved through it learned a lot and then right after that going into the 10k small business program mm-hmm. you know like that kind of gave us or gave me even more of a skill set to like take this thing to the next level well what kind of stuff did you learn um a during covid trying to survive that um which obviously you did you're thriving now and then the 10k small business program after that so going through covid i i could have gone one of two ways and i probably went the wrong way right (laughs) um i could have just stopped and been like okay let's see what the fuck's going on here i'm not going to bring on anybody i'm going to cut all employees i'm going to pay anybody i'm just gonna like a lot of companies did that yeah i'm just i'm gonna stop and let the scene play out and see how it goes um and uh i didn't do that i because um so many people were moving to like video was actually getting to be more and more important for companies to market themselves Mm -hmm. um but so I brought in like, that's when I lost my ass on the salesperson. Uh, and I brought in people to like, you know, help like power through it, you know, um, had the PPP money. So we were okay. But I was just like, I kind of had the mindset of screw it. Like we're going to fucking do this no matter what. And so we just like, you know, kind of like running uphill, dragging an anchor behind us, you know, <laughs> just like, plowing forward doing anything and everything that we could to create content uh for ourselves you know create content because we had the plan like we had the things in place to like build up our portfolio like as we were launching but Mm -hmm. we didn't have an extensive video production portfolio and so uh, all of the things that we had lined up for march april and may that we had already sold was also going to be building up our momentum and our portfolio to like help us launch. And we just didn't have that. And all we didn't really have an ability to create a portfolio during 2020, you know? Right. And so at that point, like I probably should have called time out, uh, but we didn't, we just kept plowing forward. 
So that leads me into like the 10K small business, whereas like we just kept grinding and grinding and grinding. I'm glad we did in some ways because we were able to put together, we were able to learn a lot about our craft. Is that, is that a paid program? No, it's very selective though. They think out of, they have two uh, cohorts a year in Dallas and out of like a couple hundred applications, they select like 30 people. Oh, wow. So you, you got to go for in-person interviews. You got to be able to dedicate a shitload of time to it. Like it, it's not for the faint of heart. Like it's mm. a, it's an intense program. Um, Sounds awesome. It's incredible. Like I, I wish that, that kind of content could be available to anybody who's trying mm. to start or run a business. And it's great too, because you have anywhere, well, you, I think you have to be in business for two years, but um, you have people that are doing anywhere from like $150,000 in revenue all the way up to like five to $10 million in revenue going through the program. And That's so great. like, not only do you learn a lot from their curriculum and their coaches and their business advisors, but you learn a lot from the other people that are in the class with you and mm. develop strong, strong bonds with those people. Um, but it just makes you know, all around better business owner. And so after, you know, just like plowing through the last few years, um, after, going through the 10k small bit and we weren't very profitable during those few years you know we were kind of mm -hmm. burning through money um and so we after i went through that program like we kind of like decided to let some people go and focus on delivering exceptional work for the clients that we had mm -hmm. and that we have and also um, the business that's coming on organically just focus like on quality um, and we needed to streamline some of our own processes and things like that mm -hmm. and you know, we're currently in the process of like rebranding and redesigning our website and all of that kind of stuff and I don't want to say rebranding because we're not changing our name or our logo but just refreshing our image and our messaging and all that kind of stuff. Your videos are amazing. Now, how, how did you go about creating that, that type of vibe is how intentional are you around that? Well, um, everything is intentional. And I would say that, um, stylistically, I think we had some similar types of clients that kind of mm -hmm. were looking for a similar vibe. Um, but, you know, we have some things that we've been behind on posting on our website that have a little more of a softer or a more feminine type of feel and things like that. So in my, all of my years of doing creative work, I actually try not to have like a distinctive, um, style because the style needs to reflect the brand of our client. Mm -hmm. You know, so if we have a, a sports client or a whiskey client or, you know, these really kind of like cool, like, you know, masculine, more masculine kind of things or might have a similar type of feel. But if you have, you know, like an interior design shop or, you know, something that's more we're doing some work right now for uh this product that's geared toward, you know, like eight to 12 year old girls, those videos are going to have a very, very <laughs> I should hope different so. <laughs> feel than yeah. what's on like the things that are on our website now. And so, yeah, it, it, we just kind of like really try to make sure that the creative matches the brand and what our clients are trying to portray. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I have a question, um, and you know, the whole point of this podcast is for people to learn from your journey and I, it's a two part question. Um, me being in sales also, I take it personal when, when someone gets burnt on a salesperson. So if someone is go going about hiring a salesperson, what advice would you give them? And then also what, if someone is going to start a business or is in the middle of starting a business or young entrepreneur, 
what do you think your main piece of advice would be to them along their journey based on your experience? All right. The first question on hiring a salesperson in my experience is don't overextend yourself, make them prove that they can sell, you know, like I won't bring on a salesperson that doesn't have strong connections like in our industry, like in advertising and marketing industry, you know? So if they have relationships with, advertising agencies and marketing directors and brands and things like that. So that's why I go to industry events. I go to American Marketing Association events. American, I'm on the board of the American Advertising local chapter um, and, you know, go to PRSA events and public relations society events. And um, so whenever I decide to bring in somebody in that role, I'm going to make sure they're well-connected in the industry and I'm going to make sure that they can actually bring in business. And, and then I'm also like going to go with my gut because I think a lot of times I've gone with what I feel when I lost my ass on the dude, I hire the salesperson I did hire. I knew in my gut within the first two weeks that this is probably a bad deal. Mm. And I gave them the opportunity to prove me wrong and I got fucked. <laughs> Can I say that? You say whatever you want. Um, and so I, I should have just, I should have just gone with my gut and being like, dude, this is not, thanks, no thanks. This is not going to work, man. I, I'm sorry. I think you're a great human, but, and the telltale sign was, I'm so I'm so stupid. Uh, <laughs> lessons learned, right? Lessons learned. Yeah. Listen to this podcast and don't make these mistakes, right? Um, but you know, I sent him to a networking thing, and it was one of the very first in-person networking things post-COVID. Like the, I mean, everybody was just so like ready, mm -hmm. you know, to like get together and do business with each other and all that. And uh, he went to this thing and. And afterwards, I was like, how many leads did you get, man? He's like, oh, I didn't get any leads. I'm like, how'd you not get any leads? I mean, you were in like, you were in the same room with like a hundred entrepreneurs for like two days. <laughs> like, you didn't get any leads. He's like, mm. well, I wasn't trying to, like, I was just trying to make relationships and things like that. Yeah, um, those are called leads. And I'm like, like, did you yeah. ask anybody if they they need our services? Are they interested? Are they using anybody? Like. I was like, oh, and after that, I should have just like, I should have cut it off like mm. right then and there because any salesperson that's worth a salt would have came back and with at least two or three people like, oh, I'm going to reach out to them. I think we got a chance with them. I think we're going to like, um, it might not be anything big, but like we can get something and it can lead to something else. And, mm -hmm. um, when he came back and with nothing, with a zero goose egg. I, I should just go with your gut, man, like, <laughs> dude, because it'll save you a lot of money and a lot of frustration. When people show you who they are, you got to believe them. Yeah, and it, the dude was a good dude. I, yeah. I was buddies with him. He's like a good guy, you know. But he just wasn't. He wasn't a hustling a hustler. He wasn't a sales guy. Yeah. Okay, so for the next part of the question, can you repeat it? <laughs> <laughs> What are you busy or something? <laughs> um, yeah. So what's your number one takeaway that someone could learn from, from your story and your experience as, as, on their own journey? Get, reach out and find resources. Like if you're in the very beginning stages of starting a business, mm -hmm. um, find a mentor, but also like, find your business resources in your local community, right? Mm -hmm. Like most, most cities of any kind of size and even small towns, they have like a business assistance center or some sort of entrepreneurial center or something mm -hmm. like go there, meet those people, figure out what the resources are that are around you to help you get started. Because, um, 
like I said, when I started the business, I didn't go and get an MBA, you know, and I didn't go to any kind of business school at all. I just was like, I'm good at this and I can do it, you know, and I wish that I would have known about the resources that existed at the time. And uh, I would just implore anyone to like, don't be afraid to reach out, ask people for help. And uh, it's funny. I was in a, I was at a, an event with a, with a great speaker actually, but he did this really interesting thing. He asked the whole crowd. He said, everybody raise your hand. If you like to help people, everybody in the crowd raised their hand, like hundred people. Right. <laughs> and then he's like, raise your hand if you like asking people for help <laughs> and like five hands showed up, you know, it's like, mm. it's like, why is there this disconnect of like, if everybody likes to help each other, like why isn't everybody raising their hand where like, why do we feel like it's not okay to ask ego. for help? It's, it's ego and people are embarrassed to admit that they need help. Yeah. Or right? they don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to get into um, some sort of an accelerator program or uh, anything like that, because it, it'll speed up your process and it'll help you tremendously. Awesome. Good stuff, man. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming by. This has been business blind spots. And if for any information on Chris, we will have all of his contacts in our show notes. You can look up his LinkedIn We'll drop his website and all that good stuff. And if you need any uh, business marketing and video help and resources, he is the man. I'm also excited to see your new brand roll out. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be awesome stuff. So I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.